What's up, guys? Welcome to Real Men Talk. Today, we're going to continue our talk about manhood on the mount. So if you've not uh, had a chance to go back and listen to the the last podcast, Manhood on the Mount, part one, where we went through the Beatitudes, we're in Matthew chapter five. Uh, we went through the first few verses, all the Beatitudes. Um, and so today, we're going to continue talking about uh, Matthew chapter five and how the Sermon on the Mount portrays to to men and us as leaders. So let's get right to it. Let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. All right, guys, here we go. Man, I'm excited to get started on this. Um, Kyler, what's going on, man? You doing all right? I'm doing wonderful tonight. Good, good, good. So we're going to jump right back into Matthew chapter 5. You know, we're talking about Sermon on the Mount. So, uh, again, if you've not went back and listened to the last podcast, excuse me, sorry, uh, about um, the Sermon on the Mount, we went through the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11 and uh, or 12. And, um, and so you should go back and listen to that. It was good. And, um, and so we're going to, this is going to be a continuation of that. So if you've not listened to that, pause this right now, go back and listen to that and then come back and finish this one. So, uh, but we're going to get right into this. We've got a lot of content to, uh, to, to uncover, um, the, you know, I, I was thinking the other day, the other day and, and um, we were, you know, I was, I was thinking through this, um, the, the Sermon on the Mount and different things like that, you know we talk about this launching Jesus's ministry, right? So Jesus has been through the wilderness. He's done all this, this right here, this, this sets the tone for the rest of his ministry. And, um, you know, I was like, why, 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 you know, when we read through these things, okay. So, and maybe, maybe it's because of my worldview. Maybe it's because I grew up in church, you know, different things like that. I think, man, some of this stuff is just no brainers. You know what I mean? It, you, you know, don't don't have adultery. Don't look at other women. You know, don't lust after other women. Don't you? You know, you're supposed to be salt and light of the world. You, you know, all this good stuff. And I, I'm like, man, this is. But then I got I got to analyze. You know what Jesus was trying to do through this? What what was he trying to do? He was trying to change the culture. Mm. I mean, think think about that for just a second. He was trying to change the culture. So when you when you go back and you research and you look at the culture at that time, okay? So between Malachi and Matthew there are 400 years, right? Yeah. Where they did not have the spirit of the Lord, right? That was prophesied in Malachi that there was going to be 400 years without the Lord, uh without the presence of the Lord. And in this time they have set all these boundaries, they've set all these rules all these regulations, um, you, you know, and we're not talking about like the, the, what is it? 613 laws from Moses. Like there were thousands that they had, they had reiterated, you know, like they would take, you know, like the, uh, the, the Sabbath, you know, keep the Sabbath day holy. So they would go through and they'd be like, all right, so what all entails in keeping the Sabbath day holy? Well, you can't, you can't work on the Sabbath and you can't do this and you can't. So they added all these extra laws that were never meant to be there. Right. Right. So culture, they had shifted this culture in such a way that it was so legalistic. And 
in Jesus, the, the very first thing that he does, he preaches a message trying to change the culture. Yes. I, I just thought that was so profound. Well, they made it so hard to even try to reach Yes. They, they put so many stipulations on salvation that it was almost impossible for anybody but them, which could have been the ultimate goal. They didn't, right. They wanted to teach you, but they really didn't want anybody else to go to heaven but them. Right. And that may not have been their starting out motivation. Right. But slowly when you work those ways, their how they were representing God and how they were, they were trying to fulfill their purpose for God, it, it almost came out that way. Right. Was let's make this so hard that only we can get there. Right. And I don't think it's about so much about keeping people out of heaven. It was, I think it was more about power. Yeah. They're like you can't live up to me because I follow all of these rules and you don't. Therefore, that is the reason why I'm in power and you're not. You know, and so they use it to exploit power. And you, you know, and that's exactly what they did. If you were if you were in that culture and you were a Pharisee or you were a Sadducee and all these different things, you were basically the government. Yeah. Right? You were basically the 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 lawmakers, you know, you were basically you you know, all those things. They had all the power. You know, of course, until the Romans came in, but you know, besides the Romans, you know, the in the Jewish culture, they they were it. You know, you've seen them in the temples, and they were, you know, they stand on the street corner, you know, and they do their prayers, you know, so loud for everybody to hear them. Nobody can live up to me, right? You know, and so Jesus, if you go back to, if you go back to Matthew chapter four, okay. I'm trying to get here. All right. So the, at the end of Matthew chapter four, um, uh, 23, it says Jesus was going about all about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and in, in healing every disease and every sickness among the people. And the news about him spread amongst the Sierra, uh, wherever. And I can't even talk. Um, yeah. And they brought it and they brought him all who were ill, those suffering with various disease, diseases and suffering pain, demon possessed people with, uh, with epilepsy and people who were paralyzed and he healed them. And 25 says large crowds followed him from Galilee and the De- Decapolis. Uh, I don't know. Annapolis. Yes. And Jerusalem and Judea and far beyond the Jordan. Okay, so so basically, what this is, he had people from every culture. Okay, so so, and then you go into chapter five where he starts his sermon, and it says, "And now he saw the crowds, and he went up on the mount, and after that he set down his disciples, and came his disciples came to him." And so, and then it said, and he began to open his mouth and begin to teach saying, blessed are the poor spirit. You, you know, he goes into the Beatitudes. And so you, you see this, he, he had every, he had every different culture that was there. And so he begins to try to shape, you, you know, he begins to, to portray people, you know, the, to portray to people what culture should look like, what we as a Christian, as a Christ follower should look like. You know, and so after you get done with the Beatitudes, you go d- directly into, you know, what does it look like to be in the world, but not a part of the world? You know, in Matthew chapter five, verse 13, it says, 
you are the salt of the earth and the salt has become tasteless, but, or sorry, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be salt, salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on, uh, uh, trampled underfoot by people. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket and put it on, but on a lampstand and give it light to all who are in the house. You know, so you, you begin to see, you know, he starts off the, with the Beatitudes, which we talked about last, uh, last podcast, you know, and how you see this, he, he, he portrays this, this progression of what it looks like to be a Christian. You know, he works on the inwardly, you, you know, the blessed are the, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed who uh, the me. Blessed who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, and so you see this progression of this, and then he goes directly from this into what does it look like to proclaim the gospel to the world? Right, and I love the progression that he uses. Is is the Beatitudes is all about emptying ourselves. He, we have to rid ourselves of our fleshly man. We have to rid ourselves of what we've made on the earth. And then we got to fill ourselves up with the righteousness of God. And because of this, we can now be these things. We can be the salts of the earth. We can be the light of the world. Um, we can have that deeper relationship with Christ. And that's what he's talking about here when he starts changing into verse 13, being the salt of the earth. Um, because he goes into, and he, he, if you are just reading this, Mm-hmm. you're not going to understand. You're not going to know what salt of the earth mean. Like what, right. what does that, that mean? But for the people, for people back in the Bible times, it meant a lot. Um, salt was a preservative to kill bacteria. It added flavor. Um, it also did the, the opposite when you drink or when you eat salt, you want to drink. It created that thirst that he was talking about, but it also prevented infections. And there's so many different purposes that, salt served that it was such a great analogy that he used because Mm -hmm. we as Christians we have to preserve our influence that we have on the world we have to preserve how we are because what ends up happening is if we're not the salts of the earth then everything that we don't preserve is going to be filled with what the devil wants right with what the devil he's going to control the narrative and if we don't use ourselves to add the flavor to people's lives they're going to they're going to taste a better presence or they right. think they're going to taste a better presence. And, and if we don't help them control, I shouldn't say control because we all have our free will, but if we don't help, help be that salt that they want, they want to taste the word. They want to fulfill themselves with the desires of God. They want to take that initiative to grow that relationship with God. Yes. If we as Christians don't use that and add that flavor by how we are seen, mm-hmm. then it's not going to, work we're never going to create that next step we're never going to create that thirst we're never going to create that desire in other people to know jesus christ yes and that's what we have to do and if we don't create that thirst then we're not going to be that last one we're not going to prevent the infection we're not going to be able to prevent the devil from spreading his narrative for spreading his desires and we have to be that we have to be the salt of the earth and bring those things so that we can serve in all those capacities and and when you look at it and you dive in, you're like, oh my gosh, salt does so much. And it does. Yes. And that's the purpose. That's the analogy that he wants to get across there. Yes. And and so I've been I've been kind of studying um you, you know, what what does what does things look like in culture 
right, in the culture that time, because we know that the Bible was written for us, not to us, right? Right. So when Jesus was saying this, he was talking to a very specific people. It is for us. It is for us at this time. It is for, the, you, you know, I, I don't want to take away from that. But he was specifically speaking to Jews. He would, the, you, you know, the, these these people from, from Galilee and, and all this is. So what did it look like? So when you be, you know, of course, we, we kind of did this when we went through the Beatitudes. But you look at the progression of, okay, so this is what it looks like to be a Christian. Now, now that you know what it looks like to be, or a Christ follower, now that you know what it looks like to be a Christ follower, you are to be the salt of the earth. You are to be the lamp, you know, all this stuff. And, but I, I, once, once he gets through that, he talks about the law, you, you know, and, and it, like it threw, it threw me for a loop. The first time I really started, I really started, I was like, why would, why would he go into the law right there? Right. Like, he, he, you know, he's talking about being salt and light. And then all of a sudden it's the law. Boom. You, you know, he's talking about, you know, and he says, don't think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. He said, I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And I, and I, I like, if you were a Jew in that time, like the law is all you had, right? So they, they didn't have the presence of the Lord, right? So for 400 years, right? Which, which is a, if, if you look at, at the, the symbolism between that and Egypt, you, you, you know what I mean? And right. you know, the, there's, there's the whole inner interlocking, you know, scriptures and stuff like that. Anyways, we, we won't get into all that because that's, um, we, we could be here all day, but, um, you know, so for 400 years, they, they didn't ha- even have the presence of the Lord. So the law is all that they had. And Jesus said, don't think that I came to ab- ab- abolish the law. He said, but I came to fulfill that. Yes. You know, and, and to be a Jew and sit there and be like, what, what do you mean to fulfill the law? And then he goes, he says, for truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. And it's like, wait a minute, you just said that you come to fulfill the law. You know, and then he goes on, he says, therefore, whoever breaks at least one of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does the teaches, but whoever does and teaches the commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I, verse twenty, for I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so again, so we go back to the Pharisees and Sadducees. Up to this point, like they they were the law, right? So you, you know they they set the laws, you know, all oh, you're supposed to do this and all oh, you're supposed to do this. Oh, and I'm so great. And I'm so mighty. And then Jesus like, uh, unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. It's like, well, wait a minute. So you see Jesus begin to, to change culture. You know, rocking the very foundations of what these people would have believed. Yes. You know, it's like, well, Whoa, you know, okay, so, so Jesus is talking about the law and then, so he, he talks about fulfilling the law, you know, and all this stuff. And then he goes right into, you, you know, people talk about how things are easier now. Okay. Because we live, we live in the dispensation of grace, right? So 
after Jesus died on the cross and rose again and, and, and ascended to heaven. After, after he died on the cross, we no longer lived in the dispensation of law, right? So from the time of Moses until the time Jesus came, that was the, the dispensation of law. That's, that's how they served the Lord. It was, it was through law, right? That's how they, they pushed their sins back. They, they, you know, all these different things was through the, through the law, right? Well, once Jesus died and, and ascended into heaven, began the dispensation of grace, right? So now we are not saved by the law. We are saved by grace, right? So, so people say that it's easier now than what it was then because we're saved by grace. But, you know, you look at, you look at verse 20, 21 and it says, you might have heard, uh, you might, you have heard that it, it was said unto your ancestors, do not murder, which is one of the laws, one of the Ten Commandments. And then he says, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. He said, but I tell you, verse 22, but I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 take a step back. So Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law, right? And that we are no longer under the law, but he made stipulations a little bit more difficult than what they were beforehand. You know, it's no longer don't kill somebody, don't murder. There's a difference between killing and murder. I shouldn't say kill. Don't murder somebody. Now, if you're angry with your brother or sister, you're going to have judgment. If you insult your brother or sister, you're going to be subject to court. And so you see this this thing, and same thing if you go down to verse 27, I know I'm skipping down a little bit. Um, you know what, Let's before we go down to verse 27, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're gonna jump right into verse 27. This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by RL Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573-686-1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. Next. Okay, have you ever told a lie? No, I never lie. Never? Well, there was this once. Next. Have you ever stolen anything? Well... Next! Have you ever had adulterous thoughts? Uh, yeah, lots of times. Hang on a second. I think the door is stuck. Could you jump up and down a couple times? Uh, okay. Hmm. 
Let's try this again. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Lots of times before I became a Christian. You trusted Jesus Christ to pay for your sins? Uh, yeah. Mister, your penalty's already been paid. You're in the wrong line. Oh, sorry. Next! I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior also. Ah! Liar. Another message from Lifeline Productions, the comic strip of radio at lifelinepro.com. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by The Jeweler's Bench. They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed citizen watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 North Westwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony and Kyler. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, so we're going to jump right into verse 27. So we were talking about how Jesus came to fulfill the law, but it seems like he has made the law uh, um, more difficult, you know, so, so he was talking about murder, you you don't murder, but now, you you know, if you're angry with your brother or sister, you're going to have judgment. Well, you burst down, jump down to verse 27 and say, hey, you've heard it said that do not commit adultery. He said, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, stop. Take a step back. So Jesus is saying, no longer is it just a sin to commit the, the physical act of adultery. But if you do it in your mind, you've already done it in your heart, right? And us guys, we, we all know exactly what he's talking about. We know. Don't, don't you be it. Don't you guys who are listening, don't act like you're self-righteous and, and you know better. You know exactly what he's talking about. And you, so you see, he, he kind of upped the ante. You know, he, he kind of upped this ante and, and no, you, you know, so, Jesus came to fulfill the law, but then at the same time, he kind of put more more weight on us. But you see, what he's trying to do is change the culture. Yes. You know, and I was like, man, this is, it, it kind of changes the, the, the whole dynamic of the Sermon on the Mount of, you know, no longer... Uh, just just the law itself, but not only did he up the ante come to fulfill the law, and the reason why he had to up the ante, what the reason why he had to to, to lay this out is because he was trying to to again change the culture. Yes, and it's no, it's no different than today. And anybody who thinks that the Bible doesn't apply today, you can look at right look at the Sermon on the Mount, and it still applies to today because we are consistently changing the narrative of the Bible to meet what we think is our truth. And that's exactly what the scribes and the Pharisees did back then was they restricted God's commands and they restricted what he wanted to past God's intentions. Mm-hmm. And God had to come. Jesus came to, to reinterpret those laws so that we, we could make it into heaven so that we, he could fulfill his purpose so that we would know the direct intentions. Because when we allow ourselves 
to go in and be the interpreters for God's word instead of allowing God to interpret it for us, we then take it and we change the narrative to however it's going to fit our truth. And that's what we've done today. Yes. I mean, look at the whole month of June. They've, this keeps popping back in my head is it's, it's pride month. It's pride month. It's pride month. But when you look in the Bible and you look up what pride does, Mm -hmm. it's the exact opposite of what they're trying to accomplish. That's right. And what they've done is they've taken that word and they've changed the narrative. But if they go back to the biblical version of pride, they would know exactly what's happening. Why nothing is working because you're working out of the narrative of the Bible. You're working out of the truth of the Bible. And that's exactly what Jesus had to come do. He had to interpret the law in its truth. He had to interpret the law for truth. So that way we could get back to the original narrative that of God's intentions, not man's intentions. That's right. That's that's so profound, really, because it, it really is. I mean, you see the way the if you study out the the Jewish time, then the way that the Pharisees and Sadducees they changed the wording of things and they 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 twisted things to fit their own narrative and, and all that stuff. And I mean, you're you're spot on, spot on, you know. And um, and so you you cut you continue going down. And I'm not going to read verse for verse. If you if you never read Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, you need to. The next we'll definitely have to do at least one more podcast uh, on this. And so you need to 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 go back and reread it and, and all that good stuff. But as you as you go through and you look at okay, so um, let's see where was it at? Hold on, I want to interject this real quick. Okay, yes. If you listen to our podcast with Leap of Faith, and if you haven't, go back and listen to it with Jeff Crumb. But one of the parts of their mission is faith is an action, but faith is also a function. Yes. And so when we, when you're we're looking at this and we're looking at what the Lord came to do, that was exactly what he he wanted us to do. He wanted us to remember that we have our actions. Our actions are, have consequences, but they are the function of our heart. They're the function of our spirit. They're the function of what drives us every single day. They're the function of what we have allowed into our lives. They're the function of what we pray for. They're the function of of what we are instilling. They're the function of our our ethics. They're a function of our morals. And what God came to do in the Sermon on the Mount was to change those functions so that the action could replicate his original intention. Yes. And we have to remember that as we are studying the word as we we're studying the Bible, as we we're reading the Sermon on the Mount. And yes, go back and read this. Go back and read verse by verse because the Lord is going to pull out exactly what he needs you to learn. He's going to pull out exactly the intentions because yes, we are talking about this as a whole, but these are line by line, verses by verses of God's word that he stopped. He took a moment and he sought out exactly what he needed to say before he went into this Sermon on the Mount. He spent 40 days of quiet time, 40 days in the devil tried to tempt him in all 40 of those days, but he stopped and he, he, he sought out the Lord because he knew that this was going to be the, the turning point for his ministry. This was going to be the, the staple for what was going to drive his ministry. And when you go back and you read those verses, you will see the heart behind it. But you have to remember that the function of every single thing that you, you bring is going to drive every single action that you do next. And that the Lord's intention was to change the function so that way they could change the heart. That way he could shape them exactly how he needed to. Because they had taken the law. They had taken 
everything from the Old Testament because the Old Testament and the New Testament, they work hand in hand, but they had taken everything from the Old Testament and they had changed the action. They had changed the function. They had changed the original intention to where it was only if you acted upon it. Mm-hmm. And they forgot that the action was from the function from the very beginning. That's right. That's right. Well, if you look at it, so we were talking about verse 27 and 28, but if you look at verse 29 and 30, it said, if, you're, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, for it's better that you lose, it's better that you lose one of your parts of your body than lose your whole body to be thrown into hell. And it says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of these body parts that is for, you, you know, it, and so we look at this and of course you, we we understand that it it's an analogy, right? It, it, this he's not or or a metaphor. Uh, he's not actually talking about you, you know, pluck it out your eye or cut it off your hand because it's not going to it's not actually going to solve the problem. Doesn't change the nature of of your inward man. But he's talking about the severity of sin. You know, if you have something inside of you that is causing you to sin, you have got to get rid of it. Yes. You have got to. You have got to depart with that part of you because it is better to depart with that part of you than spend an eternity in hell. Yes, and you have to take those those thoughts captive, and you have to pray that, Lord, help me to take those thoughts captive because what's that, what, what those thoughts are doing is they are creating a stronghold for the devil to stay a part of. Mm-hmm. And we have to break down those strongholds. And you're just like, well, it was just a thought. Okay, but think about it for a second how many thoughts are you now having how many right. thoughts are you allowing to build up because you've not prayed against it you've not spoken against it you've not said anything against it and so while they're just a thought now they're going to be the action later that's right and not every thought is your own right you know and so if if you if you have a thought that's not your own it, that was put there by the enemy and you entertain that thought wh- what happens then you know thought turns into action you know Action turns into sin, sin turns into death. You know, everything that you will ever do, ever, will start with a thought. Everything, everything good, everything bad. And there is no neutral ground, okay? So it's either productive or it's not. It's either good or it's bad, you know? And so, um, so Jesus, he, you know, he, he talks about divorce. It is said whoever divorces his wife is, uh, must give her a written um, notice of divorce, he said, but I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except except in the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You know, Jesus is very specific. This is something that is um, that is big at this time. You know, people, you, you know, we, we live in a culture where divorce is easy. You know, it's no, it's no big deal. Uh, it's just a piece of paper where, you know, you can, you know, Jesus is very serious about about divorce. He's straight to the point. There is no, there's no beating around the bush there. Nothing. Um, and of course, then he goes into, um, uh, you, you know, telling the truth. You know, let let your yes be yes. You know me, no. You know, he talks about oaths. Um, and then I, I love how he goes into this, and then he goes directly into going a second mile. You know, you've heard it said that eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He said, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn and uh, turn the other and to him also. As as for verse forty, as for the one who wants to sh- to sue you and take away your shirt, 
let him have your coat as well. And as and if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You know, so you see this change, this change, you know, and when you begin to look at the culture was in the beginning, okay, so when God created the law, he created, you know, a way to, you you, look, you study out like the, the year Jubilee and, and all these different things. You know, people want to talk about slavery, been around for, you know, thousands of years, really, it was more of a economic program. Okay. So, so people, you know, if you could not afford to, to take care of things yourself, you could work for somebody, right? It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily slavery as, as what we depict slavery now. Okay. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was, you know, Hey, you're, you can't afford this. That's fine. You can work for me and have still intact your integrity and still intact your pride because you're working for your food, you're working for your, you know, it was still that spirit of, of working. And, um, and so you, you go, you go back into here, you know, and he talks about a uh, verse 42, give it, uh, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And, um, and so you kind of see him going back to the original, which if he had to go back to the original would only entail that they had gone, gone away from it, you know, and then, um, he, then he go, you go down to verse 43. He, he says, uh, Kyler, we might actually get through chapter five today. That's good. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. He said, but uh, you have heard, heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay. Um, he said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Like, I, again, I, I try to put myself in a person who's sitting in the crowd who, who, the culture has taught me everything opposite of this and and what it what it must have been like to be sitting there and be like what yeah what are you what are you talking about but then you know that okay so we're ta- we're talking about Jesus right all these letters are in red this is all you know could you imagine what a a speech or a message would have sounded like coming from his very words you know, from his mouth, the, the automatic conviction, the, the pulling, you know, just knowing that every word resonated truth, you know, and so like, you would be like, you, you would kind of be torn, you know, cause one side of you would be like, I like, this is completely counterculture to what, to what, what I've been raised to know. Yes. But it sounds so right. Well, it works against the flesh, and it's a little bit of story time here. Um, over this past month, it's been a little bit difficult because there's been a, a bunch of uh, people rising up against me, I should say, trying to tear me down in different ways, and I've I've had one specific enemy who I'm trying to work against um, that, you know, you, you try to do good things, but then people skew your intentions. Mm-hmm. And so there was one day I was just driving in the car, and I was like, Lord, I you're going to have to fight this battle because if I fight this, I'm going to tear down a bunch of, I don't know. I was in my flesh. I was operating my flesh and I just, I wanted to take control as a man. I wanted to fix it. I was ready you know, get a lawyer to get all this, get all these people and all this other stuff. And then if you never heard this song, the song by Phil Wickham came on and said the Jesus way. Mm-hmm. I mean, right as I was having all <laughs> these thoughts 
And the lyrics of this song start out, it says, if you curse me, then I will bless you. If you hurt me, I will forgive you. If you hate me, then I will love you. I choose the Jesus way. And then the verse goes to, I follow Jesus. He wore my sin. I'll gladly wear his name. He is my treasure. He's my answer. And I choose the Jesus way. And it, it, it brought those verses, those specific verses that we were just talking about at the end of chapter five, mm-hmm. to love your enemies in a perspective, because how many enemies did Jesus have even after this message? I mean, there was scribes, there was Pharisees, there was people of the law who were in the crowd listening to the words that he said. And he, he still told exactly what he was going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. So here's what you should do. If they speak against you, let them speak against you. If they strike you, let them strike you. If they rise up against you, let them rise up against you because that's the Jesus way, but because I will fight those battles for you. And that's what we have to remember is that Jehovah will fight the battle for us. Yes. He, he speaks from a a place of authority because he has the authority to win the battle. You have to remember that there is not a battle. There is not a season of your life that he is already, not already knows the ending for. Yes. Come on. We have to allow him to work. We have to step out of our fleshly man. We have to allow him to work so that way his ending will come about because he's not going to force that upon us. But if we will sit here and we will give forgiveness to those people, if we will choose the Jesus way, he will bring restoration. He will defend us at all costs. He is going to to restore your name. He's going to restore your job. He's going to restore who you were before because he's the God of restoration. He's not the God of defeat. He's the God of victory. And no matter what season you're going through, no matter what people rise up against you, and that's how I see this these verses, no matter what rises up against you, you have a God that's victorious in everything. Yeah, that's what we have to remember. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I want to finish up five here. Um, you go down to verse 46, and it says, For those who love those who, for if you love those who love you, what, re- what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same. You know, and so if you go back and you look at, at the way, the way the Jews looked at the tax collectors. So these, these people were, were traitors, right? So they were Jews that worked for the Romans. They, they hated them. Right. And so he, he, Jesus is saying, don't, don't even these people that you hate do the same thing. You know, and then he goes down and he says, if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. You know, and he said in the very last verse of chapter five, verse 48, it says, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Of course, we know none of us could ever match up to, to the heavenly father. That's not what he was that he doesn't really expect us to be perfect except for through our salvation our salvation in Jesus Christ but again you look at the way he's trying to, to change the culture and and I keep say I keep saying this and I, and I will keep iterating this throughout our study on this because what we have to do as men is we have to begin to change the culture inside of us yes. You know, the, the culture that has told us, you know, to, to live this certain way, to, 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 to honor, you, you know, or, you know, in order to be a good Christian or to be a man, you have to live this way or you have to be this way. And Jesus is like, no, stop it. You've got it all wrong. Yes. You've got it all wrong. The, the things that are going on today in our world 
is not much different that was going on then, right then and there in that culture. Exactly. You know, and so Jesus is like, men, we have we have to change the culture, and if we are going to change the culture, it will start with the men. We we have to we have to understand the severity of what's going on. We have to begin to dig into the word. And we have to begin to to understand that if we are going to if we're going to make a difference, the culture that we have now is not going to it's not going to it's not going to do it. We have to bring it bring in a culture of truth. Yes. And there is no truth outside of Jesus Christ. Yes, there is none. And as you look at chapter five and as you read it and you get to verse 48, you need to think of verse five as your requirement as a man. It's it's not optional. It's not, you can't pick and choose which verses. Every single verse, all the way up to verse 48, even for you to strive for, for perfection, you're not, you, you're not going to reach it. There's no way other than becoming Jesus for us to be perfect. But this is God's ideal requirement for man. That's right. Is yes. chapter five. Yes, 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 yes. So um, next podcast, be looking for it. Uh, we're going to be going to... Uh, manhood of the mount part three as we go into chapter six and maybe six and seven i don't know we'll see, we'll see what happens whatever the lord leads and um, know that if you've got any questions about what we've talked about let us know uh you can you can always email us at realmen at palace of uh you can find us on facebook twitter instagram and um you, you know we are we man there there's a lot of things in the works that that is happening you, you know we've got a website coming we've got all these different things that you know, Kyle has been working really hard on and um and so no be be praying for us if you like what you hear you know share it with others the more that it's shared you, you know you give us a good rating the the more that it's shared the more that it's rated the more that it's available this podcast is available for other men and so that that's what it's all about it's all about it's not about us being popular it's not about anybody knowing knowing our name it's about building godly courageous leaders and uh, that is the mission of Real Men Talk Podcast. If you've never heard that before, if you're new to the scene, that is what we are all about. It's all about building uh, godly, courageous leaders, being bold and empowerment it, it, through through Jesus Christ. And so uh, I want to encourage you guys, know that, that, that we love you, know that Jesus loves you, know that he is for you, he is not against you, and that he wants to see you succeed as a leader. And so... Uh, as always, I want to end in a prayer. Holy Spirit, teach us to be leaders of our homes, of our communities, and of our churches. And teach us to be godly, courageous men. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email realmen at palaceofpraise.com or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. 
Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion.